Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers over on Blizzard Watch, and I've got both my usual co-hosts with me today. First up, he's a shaman writer, but he's also a lore aficionado, and he's here with us today. It's Joe Perez. Hey, Joe. Well, hi, everybody. How are we doing today? How are you doing today? I am doing really, really good. I got to play with Stompy Dinosaurs this weekend. It was a good time. I'm Stompy Dinosaurs? I play, well, I play with Little Plastic Army Men, and oh. so I got to play a game where I got to play as basically dinosaurs riding other dinosaurs, and it made me exceptionally happy. Okay, that's just weird, but that's okay. <laughs> Next up is the other lore focus writer over on Blizzard Watch and also an aficionado of dinosaurs as well, and that would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi. I've handed that over to Joe. If you have any news about dinosaurs, <laughs> email it to Joe or tweet it at Joe. I, I am no longer that guy. You can stop now, guys. It's been several years. I already know this stuff. I get it. The Google thing tells me every day you don't have to, too. It's Joe now. Joe is our dinosaur guy. <laughs> I've been handed I've been handed the hat and the scepter, so I guess tweet at me, bros and lady bros. The the mantle has been passed on, I guess. All right. I mean, I still like him, but I mean, it gets to the point where literally every time any news story about dinosaurs comes out, I get fifty-seven people tweeting it at me. It's like, guys, guys, I already know. It's okay. I already know. It's fine. I, I Google tells me every day. That's what they're for. Uh, <laughs> that's why I have an email notification. It's it's cool. So we're doing things a little bit differently today, as far as the show goes. Um, Patch 7.3.5 is coming out tomorrow because we are recording this on, what is it? It's Monday the 15th? 15th, yep. Monday the 15th is when we are recording. So if you are listening to this via Patreon, because they get it a week early, um, this is all going to be spoiler content for material that comes out tomorrow. And if you want to go ahead and skip the episode and come back tomorrow night and listen to it after you've had a chance to look through everything that 7.3.5 has to offer, we don't blame you. Go ahead. We'll see you then. It's fine. If you don't care about spoilers, go ahead and keep listening. And for people who are tuning in next week on the regular website and the regular uh, RSS feeds... Um, Hi, we're talking 7.3.5. If you haven't had a chance in the last week or so to play through any of this content, you might want to come back after you've done that because we're not really censoring anything here. <laughs> so that's your spoiler warning. Now, let's get into it. Um, 7.3.5 doesn't exactly have a ton of major content. A lot of the content that it is offering is in the form of a revamped leveling experience. However... If you have finished the Antorus raid, you get a quest to go out to Silithus, and it's a fairly lengthy quest chain. There's a lot to do out there. It is a one-shot thing. You play through it for the story stuff, and then you're done. Um, I don't know if the quests progress beyond that, because I have I didn't get a chance to get to the PTR last week and see if there was anything new. However, um, there's some intriguing stuff going on down in Silithus. Uh, have either of you guys played the PTR, gotten a chance to look at any of this? I have not, not yet. in a month or so. Okay. All right. Um, essentially, what's going on is, obviously, Sargeras' sword 
is stuck there. It has wrecked the zone. And this thing is gigantic. And by gigantic, I mean it stretches the length of... The thing is huge. <laughs> you can see it from Thunder Bluff. It is gigantic. Um, and over the course of the quest that you do, you learn that, yes, the sword, it's doing bad things. Bad things are happening. Magni is there. He's, you know, he points out that the sword is bad and doing bad things to Azeroth and you need to figure out a way to help it and eventually that leads up to a point where apparently something happens with your artifact weapons I did not get to that point on the PTR what I did get to was a bunch of side quests involving the Twilight's hammer in the area um, they're still there they they were not completely wiped out and in fact they seem to be really fascinated by everything that's going on one of the creatures out there, there's a couple of new rare mobs out there and one of them his name is Ogmot Ogmot the Mad he drops a dream journal it says some really intriguing things um, and I kind of want to go over those things because I feel like if we aren't pointing at something that's happening in battle for Azeroth we are definitely getting clues for whatever is going to go on beyond that now I sent you guys a text for this so you guys have had a chance to read through them what do you guys think? Do you think this is going to be like Battle for Azeroth related or? I feel like it's going to be the B story for Battle for Azeroth. Yeah. Um, and the reason I think that is actually nothing to do with it itself, but to do with something else that's happening in 735. Okay. They're releasing Olduar as a time walking dungeon. I mean, yes. as a raid. And I started thinking about this uh, when it, when it talks about, you had mentioned the Ilganoth whispers earlier, like when we were talking before the show. Yeah. And one of the one of the Ilganoth whispers, which I think dovetails well with the Ogmot's book, is you know he fleshes his gift. He is your true creator, um, which we know means Yog. Yeah, because Yog was the one who doled out the curse of flesh. Now we've we've been thinking since since uh, oh heck Emerald Nightmare since Emerald Nightmare we've been thinking Ninzoth is going to come back and be a major player. But one of the things that we've seen is that you can't easily kill an old god and when you do it tends to make things worse um we saw that with the ashraj like the ashraj got ripped out of the ground and torn apart and that made the shah and it made his heart and they had to like basically seal his heart away to to keep it from destroying all of pandaria and you know we remember all that so both both yog and kathun are dead quote-unquote but silithus is <laughs> yeah. yeah silithus is kathun territory and what if it feels an awful lot like that's what he was aiming at, right? Yeah, with the sword. It feels like he was going for Cthun. And if Cthun's dead, well, would he accept that they don't die? We, we've just established that. So, what if we've been like, if Nizoth is coming back, he might be bringing, he might be getting the band back together. He might essentially say, Yeah, we all hate each other. I hate you. You hate me. But we want out, right? And this is the best time we're ever going to get to get out. That's what. So there's this part in this um, about doors. Yeah, it's the last, the last one. Roused by her screams, stirred by her whispers, a blessing from the masters. At last, I understand. A door, a path, ours, ours. Fool, the circle has awakened us all. There's several things I notice in this one. First up, it's her screams and her whispers that are rousing and stirring, which um, would imply Azeroth. Yeah, Magni. Which we've already kind of us, seen, though, right? With the, the scenario, we've already yeah. sort of seen that. But that's the thing. Magni is the Before, one telling wait, us everything. Hold up. That's, 
before we get too far into this, before we get too far into this, because I do want to let you keep going, um, I want to just read through what's here. Is that okay? okay fine. As yeah, far as as far as his journal goes, and then we'll get to the because you jumped right to the end of it, but there's a bunch of stuff ahead of it too. Um, keep in mind that the transcript that I have, there's two different versions of this. The initial the initial version that came out on the PTR was his journal, and it was very well written for an ogre. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it was really well written for an ogre. That's the one that I have right now. It has since been updated to translate it into quote unquote ogre speak, where he sounds kind of like a doofy idiot because that's what ogres sound like apparently unless you're on Draenor which is weird um initially I was like wait is this guy is this guy from Draenor because he he's really well spoken like you know the dudes from Draenor are um no that is not the case he is just an Azeroth ogre um so when I read through this keep in mind that this is the version that has not been translated into ogre speak as of yet um first part is, I was a mere boy fighting at the war camp when the masters first blessed me with their visions. I've come to Silithus to the site of the great wound, seeking wonders beyond imagining. Make me your vessel, masters. Masters, plural. Okay? <laughs> Next page. Last night, I dreamt of two great armadas clashing upon an ocean of blood. Shadows writhing beneath them, rising, rising. I smiled in my sleep. Why did the skittering insects have to stir me? Damn those bugs. No matter. We will finish what they began. Page 3. Life returns to this dead place. First the bugs came. Now goblins skulk about. It is the blood they crave. I'm sure of it. Bah! Let them have these drippings. Soon there will be enough seas to sate every thirst. Page 4. Today the smoke rose from my campfire and took form. A shepherd, cloaked in the shadows of her past, beloved by a flock of blind sheep. She guided them over a cliff. Even as they crashed upon the rocks, they never doubted her. The crows grew fat upon sheep flesh. Her laughter echoed all around. Next page. It just gets worse as we go, okay? Next page. The blade's eye watches us all. Why do you not see? The first of his lies has been offered. Bound by a throne? No. Boundless. The next will come soon. I know what this one is talking about, I think. Okay. Next page. A band of cultists arrived. Do they comprehend my blessing, my greatness? They speak of Argus, of the one who was awakened, of the victory that went unnoticed. I shared my vision, but the skinny one just laughed. I do not like her. Next page. Many days have passed without a vision. Have I displeased you, masters? I will leave you a sacrifice. Remember me. Next page. The star peers down. I must hide from its glare. The dagger spoke true. It has been too long since I was drowned. Do not forsake me, masters. Once again, plural. Next page. The bones were picked clean, yet still I am granted no insight. The others scoff. They question my devotion. But I am the chosen vessel. I will not lose faith. Another sacrifice, yes. One more of them will not be missed. And then the last entry is the one that you were talking about, Rossi. Roused by her screams, stirred by her whispers, a blessing from the masters, at last I understand. A door, a path, hours, hours. Fool, the circle has awakened us all. This is fascinating. Like, all of the... And the thing is, is like, it's not... It's not part of a quest or anything. It's just you kill the rare because he happens to be out there. He's not even part of a quest. You just kill him because he's a star in the area. And he drops this thing. And if you aren't looking for it and you don't open the book, you miss all of this stuff. But it's all there. Um, Rossi, you were talking about the last part of this entry here. So I want you to go ahead. Go on. Uh, Well, if you look at one of the things I noticed is that it's Magni who tells us 
what the whispers of a of a you know the the the, the scenario. It's Magni who interprets it for us. Uh, it's Magni who tells us when he talks to Argus. It's Magni who tells us that Sargeras's sword is poisoning Azeroth, and we have to draw the power out of it with our artifacts, uh, which is the thing you missed. Sorry, this spoiler warning, so I don't feel that bad about it. Um, that's it's Magni who gives us our marching orders every step of the way. And Ilganoth said, and I quote, um, the, the King of Diamonds is now our pawn. It's the, it was, the King of Diamonds has been made a pawn. That's the exact quote yeah. from Ilganoth. So if Magni is lying to us, it's quite possible Azeroth has already fallen under their sway. If, mm-hmm. the, if the old gods are awake, they could be using Magni to mislead Azeroth or mislead us Maybe. as to what's good for Azeroth. And what really gets me is they got us to get rid of our artifacts, the things that, we, that made us powerful enough to be a threat to them. And I think they're all coming back. I think it's going to be all three of them. I think at least all three of them are going to be back. And the other thing, you read something earlier just now, one of the ones that, you know, what has been awakened mm-hmm. on Argus. What yes. if there's an old god there? And I like we how know they that call it, it a, Well, they call it, it's a victory that went unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Well, so a couple things. I'm not entirely sold on the Magni being a traitor type thing, but at the very least, he's the mouthpiece of a child, right? Like, it, it, like yes, it's a Titan child. They didn't but, say that he was like betraying us or anything. Right. The, but what it said, said was, was he he's but, been made a pawn. So sure, he sure. May but be unaware. Well, well, the thing is, it could be one of those truth to hide to to make it worse type thing. Whereas we're already suspicious. So, yeah, he's made a pawn. He's literally doing nothing but Azeroth's bidding. He's free and walking around because Azeroth said, go do this thing. Right. So it could be just as simple as he has no autonomy anymore. He is literally a pawn. And that is his master. And I mean, we've, we've known this for forever that old gods and especially little pieces of the old gods or their lieutenants, they don't always have to lie. They can tell half-truths. They can tell you something that is true that out of context looks absolutely horrible. This could also be part of their plan to make us not trust Magni, right? This is one of those things where if we don't trust him, then how can we help Azeroth? Because we're now looking at, like Rossi said, this possibility that what if Azeroth's already corrupted? What if, you know, Magni is an unwitting pawn? If we do their work for them because they've sowed that seed of doubt by simply telling us a fact, not necessarily, you know, that he's been compromised, but that it, he's a pawn. He, he works for Azeroth. Here's that's the a, thing, that's though. Different. Here's the thing. They don't lie. Like, they've never lied right. to us. And if you go back to A Thousand Years of War, you see why. Because when Alaria is looking at the Void and looking at all of this other stuff, one of the things that she says is that the Void sees every possibility every possibility every potential everything and they are all true all of them are so as far as the old gods are concerned anything they tell us is absolutely the truth because in one of these visions that they've had in one of these potentials that we they've seen over the course of however long i don't know creation is around or whatever that happened that was true in that one point in time. Sure. And as far as they're concerned, that makes it true. There is no, it's, there's no one true path as far as the old gods are concerned. That's a light thing. So it's, 
it's interesting to me though there's there's a couple of things here that kind of well, stick out the, the, the other the other one that I think Rossi and you pointed out too I think is actually really cool is the victory that went unnoticed thing that is something that's been bothering me since we fit like since I got to the end of of what the current content is in in Legion right now when I've, I finished Argus and all that stuff it's a it's completely and totally not explained it is this massive bundle of loose threads what's going on with the void on Argus mm-hmm. we have no answers to any of that like we have ideas we have thoughts we we know that you know there was that whole Alaria going and absorbing the uh, the fallen I, I don't want to call it a fallen naru but the dark the dark cycle of the Illyria, naru absorbing yeah. that uh, yeah sorry Illyria. Call it a void god if you want because it's basically or, or, void, or god. void god but that can't be the only reason that was there because the amount of corruption at that area the amount of void touch at that area it goes beyond anything we've seen. And we've seen a few void gods at this point. We've seen a couple of them and the corruption isn't nearly as prevalent or, or as pushed as what we've seen with them. And they are arguably at that same level ish. Keep in mind though, we've only seen void Lords when they first become them. Every time we've seen a void God, it has literally been a Naru seconds earlier. When you see the one in Sunwell plateau, it, it's it's Muru. We ju- he just turned from Muru into that. When you see the one in Nagrand on alternate Draenor, again, it's uh, it's not Muru. I forget which one it is. It's the one uh, in Ashagun. Curry. Yeah, not and Curry. it's again, yeah, it, it's again, Chogol turns it right in front of us. Both times we see the Void God new. Well, we don't see one that's been there since the Draenei left, but that's what we get in, in the uh, seat of the triumvirate. That's a, a dark and Naru who's been a dark and Naru for 25,000 years. Sure. So we don't know. Give or take a few thousand, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Well, let me but read, I mean, there's, there's, there's one more thing in here. I want to read before we keep going. Sure. Cause it addresses what you just talked about from the earth. He draws strength, our earth, our strength. Now this is Ilganoth whispers. Yeah. And okay. here's another one. There's another one I want to point out before we keep going. The boy king serves at the master's table. I'm going to get into that in a minute here. <laughs> three lies will he offer? Yeah, you. I'm going to get. It, I'm going to get into that in a minute here because that's one of the ones I want to focus on. But yeah, so it's possible. There's there's m- multiple possibilities. Magni may be a pawn just to Azeroth, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And it's and like Joe said, it, they're just telling us this to make us uncomfortable. Um, it may be that Magni is straight up like all dwarves susceptible to evil and gonna turn because dwarves are inherently corrupt and vile this is me getting everyone mad at me for the week hey guys no i'm (laughs) not serious about that but they are from the earth you know they do draw strength from it and and that's where they're imprisoned they're imprisoned in the earth no no i mean dwarves well yeah dwarves are from the earth magni is this crystalline entity now he may be more susceptible than we think yeah look look at deathwing yeah there's there's lots of possibilities here, but the one thing we absolutely don't know, we really don't know, is who they mean by the King of Diamonds. We think we know who they mean. It seems obvious who they mean, but that doesn't mean that they mean who we think they mean. Um, they say things all the time that they don't necessarily want us to interpret properly. Like The one that really gets me to is the star peers down, I must hide from its glare. The dagger spoke true. It has been too long since I was drowned. Do not forsake me, masters. And earlier he says, the blade is, you know, the, the blade's eye is watches all. What do you not see? 
The first of his lies has been offered, bound by a throne, no boundless. The next will come soon. So, um, I, I want to jump here. I want to, I want to jump in here and, um, just propose something and see where you guys go with it. Okay. Rossi, you mentioned the boy king serves at the master's table. Three lies will he offer you? And we yep. we had initially, I believe, back when we were first talking about the Whispers of Ilganoth and everything, we had a whole episode about this, guys. Go back and listen to it if you want to. Um, I think we were talking about potentially Anduin because he's obvious the boy king. Um, he's just a boy, but now he's king. Um, I yeah. kind of uh, wonder now, though, because... It's the boy king serving at the master's table. Three lies will he offer you. And when you go to Ogmot's book and you go to that section that you just mentioned, um, it says the first of his lies has been offered. Is he talking about the boy king? And if so, when I see bound by a throne, no boundless, the next will come soon. All I can think of is the Lich King. Yeah, that's immediately where I went to. All I can think of is the Lich King and how we were told specifically there must always be a Lich King. Which we were told this by Terranus. Was it Terranus or was it Uther? It was Uther, wasn't it? It was was Uther's spirit, supposedly. The thing is, is it was like Uther's spirit that was supposedly in Frostmourne, except that Uther's spirit wasn't in Frostmourne because we saw it at the at the shrine mm-hmm. in, in the Western you can still go vi- like You it, can still go visit it. He's there. If he's there, yeah. how could he be there and be in Frostmourne? So what? And chronologically for those king, out there. Is the boy the, king Arthas? I think so. And I think so. Here, here's the interesting thing about it. And this is why I think like I went to the Lich King and we talked about this before. We don't know where the original power from the Lich King actually came from we know that it was was format basically formulated by uh you know the the highest servants of a titan that you could possibly get essentially where did they get it from what it's very clearly tied to the shadow realm in some manner it's tied in that realm of undeath but what did they subjugate what did they tie to a throne before they tied nerzul before they tied arthas before they tied uh well, oh, we've mentioned Bolivar. like like we've we've mentioned before. Um, Odin sacrificed his eye to a creature from the Shadowlands, the realm of death, mm-hmm. in order to be able to see into there and create the Vrykul. Um The Vrykul were quick to work for the Lich King. Yep, and I I've, I think I've commented on this multiple times that I think it was Helia before she got killed, before any of that stuff, it was Helia who opened the way into the Shadowlands for Odin to make his pact. It was Helia who summoned the creature forth. Whatever it was, the spirit from the Shadowlands. And that's all we ever get told about it. It's the spirit mm-hmm. from the Shadowlands that he traded his eye for wisdom he, so he could see into the realm of death. Uh, I, I still think that's related. I think whatever the Lich King is is related to this. I agree. The, uh, because the Valkyr work for him. So so willingly. Well, and not only that, like it would fit too that it, Odin strikes me as the type of character that would make a deal and then find a way to not necessarily weasel out of the full deal, but take advantage of the situation. So there's nothing to say that he didn't get Helia, who is insanely powerful. Let's let's make no qualms about that. We've talked about this before to bind this thing to keep it from collecting its full load 
Well, I don't necessarily think that. Uh, let me put it this way: um, We've got Yogg-Saron, sure, who called himself the God of Death, and definitely had antagonism towards the Lich King. Now, Yogg's a void creature; he's not from the Shadowlands. He's you know he's an old god, but definitely called himself the God of Death. And there's a rivalry between the two of them that uh, the Lich King obviously acknowledged when he made bla- bloody well everything out of Saranite. Mm-hmm. He made an entire freaking building out of Saranite. He made His, multiple floating buildings out of Saranite. Well, the technically, entirety of Ice Crown Citadel yeah. is made of Saranite. And all the um, the uh, this... why can't I think of the name for them? The Nexramas type uh, structures. Uh, well, no, they're not ziggurats. The, the, I thought they were because they're no, made no. from the. Because no, if you actually, go to the next Ramos ones are actually original cities from the uh, from from. Uh, but if you go if you go to Northrend right outside of um, right outside of Ice Crown, there is a shipyard where they're building more yeah, of them out the of the new Sarah. ones. Yeah, the yeah. new ones are. he's making. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like he was creating. Nax is actually uh, the city that it's an sure. it's an city. I was trying to think of the word for ziggurat, and for whatever reason, my brain just couldn't get it out. Um, but it's, it, the newer ziggurats are made out of this. The stuff, one that right? the one that the Death Knights are in, Acherus. Acherus is one of the new ones. Acherus sure. is one of the ones built with with Saranite. <laughs> okay, yep. so I have a question for you guys, um, and I'm going to go back to that one line from Ilganoth that says, "The boy king serves at the master's table. Three lies will he offer you." Who's he? Is he the boy king or is he the master? Well, that's a good question. For that matter, I still have another candidate for the Boy King, for that matter. Oh, yeah? Well, um, would, you, would, would you say that the head of a dragon flight was its ruler? I was totally going to say that, mm-hmm. yep. And so, he's totally serving at the master's table as the de facto head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think you want to watch Rathion when we're talking about Boy Kings who like to lie. Oh, I hope they don't make well, Rathion a bad guy because I like him a lot. I but I don't think necessarily he could be the bad guy. He could just be being used more or less. Well, think about it this way. He, when he ate the heart of the thunder King, yeah. that could have very easily been the first lie. It, it, he saw, he saw everything when he, he ate told that us, he told us that yeah. he saw things. We didn't see them. No, we don't know. And well, here's another thing to think about though. Yeah. When you're talking about all this, um, the, the much simpler problem here is quite simple. How do you, get somebody that is absolutely super watchful for the corruption of the old gods to serve the will of the old gods. Don't corrupt him. Mm-hmm. Don't even try. No. You I don't have to do a show on corruption elsewhere. Yeah. Get him to go after what's useful to you. Mm-hmm. A.K.A. Keep in mind, the Burning Legion because the Legion wants to wipe out. It's a loaded weapon that you point in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. also, the Legion and what's going to combat the old gods? Just us? Oh, okay. We can handle that. But that's that's part of the reason why I agree with Rossi and why we've talked about this before, where I think I really honestly feel that Silithus was not an accident. It was not a shot in the dark. It was a targeted attack. And here's another thing to think about. We have the line, the blade's eye watches all. There's two good candidates for the blade. One of them is a talkative little dagger that Shadow Priest liked to run around That with. was the first one that I thought of, and I mean, the other one was obviously well, the gigantic sword that's impaling yes. Silithus right now, but, you know. In, in well, here, the, think about this. The Blade's Eye watches all. Why do you not see? The first of his lies has been offered, bound by a throne. Where does Bar- Sargeras right now? Mm. Hey, out of, out of curiosity, and this is more of a rogue question. <gasps> was that their victory? 
I was going to say, doesn't the daggers at Rathion make you go get have eyes as well? Yeah, they do. Okay. Like, it just seems really weird that all of these, like, I don't know. They were old, old god. Old god things have eyes. Yeah. Yeah, they were old god imbued. And yeah, that's right. Um, so there's a couple of different potentials here because they could be talking about, because it's Antorus, the burning throne. And Sargeras is bound there, in theory, and he's saying, no, boundless. Okay, well, they could be talking about that, or they could be talking about the Lich King, because he's bound by a throne. In theory, that's what we thought. That throne, the throne makes him more powerful, not less. Uh, and but... it's a Serenite throne. Well, well no, that's it's... why I'm saying bound. Like that's, And that's why I went back to the other thing. Like That's why I, I kind of think that it might be part of that whole curse package deal type thing whatever entity it was that got yanked out of the shadow realm or shadowlands is bound to this sort of form. If that makes sense. It's weird to me because the thing is, is like it says that the boy King serves at the master's table, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Boy King could mean literally a boy King, which would say, okay. And because he's a boy and he's a King or boy King could just be like kind of an insult to a degree where like, Arthas thinks he's the Lich King and he thinks he's all that but as far as the old gods are concerned he's just a child in the grand scheme of everything. Well, that's and how they he's serving him, at, he's not he's not acting on his own because remember like back in Wrath of the Lich King one of the things that always kind of bothered me about it was that we had these two different areas that seemed to show some kind of overlapping interest but they never actually went anywhere where we all were like gung-ho about oh yeah let's go to the frozen throne let's defeat Arthas wait no we have to go to Ulduar what's that why should we care about that oh an old god okay yeah we could get behind killing that because you know C'Thun was bad news so this guy's probably bad news but then there was all that implication and the visions that Yogg-Saron showed you where there was something very much going on and one of those visions one of those visions that Yogg-Saron showed you was Bolvar the guy who mm-hmm. became the next Lich King. Yogg-Saron knew about that guy. Yogg-Saron knew that that guy was super strong because he was withstanding that whole Lich King corruption. Yogg-Saron might have gone, ah, oh, okay, well, this one would make a much better tool if we got him in place. Not only, not only that, it ties him closer to to oh the power of the Pantheon as well because... Part of the reason that Bolivar was so resistant to it was because of the the Red Dragon Flight's kiss. Yeah. So, so like, like all guys, of this. Guys, yes. Guys, yes. You just made me have a thought. Oh boy, give it to Ilganoth. us, Rossi. <laughs> Ilganoth is working for Nizoth. We think so. Yeah. Yes. Il- Nizoth, Yog, well, and Cthulhu do not like each other. No. Mm-hmm. Their servants fought a war against each other. What okay. if? Ilganoth is speaking derisively of Yog Saron. Mm. As you go to Alduar, where he's bound, except he isn't bound anymore. The boundaries have been broken. First of his lies has been offered. The lie is that we beat him. That is a and that's why possibility too. Alduar is coming back. Why is it coming back? Why are we getting time walking Alduar? Because that's an important it's, moment. It's and suddenly he, relevant again. For that matter, he offers. Well, we had that whole how scenario. Many, how there many too. visions does he offer you? Three. Mm-hmm. He gives you a vision of Stormwind Three and the lies. throne. He he gives you a vision of the ancient forming of the dragon soul, and he gives you an image 
of Arthas torturing Bolvar. Why does he give you those three images? So that the was first one of those okay. things that always yeah. like Well, you remember back on Wow Insider, I wrote I don't know how many tinfoil hats about flipping Yogg and his visions and all that other stuff and what they meant and how they were connected. I I feel like there's like we're on the cusp of something really big and it has nothing to do with the alliance and the horde fighting each other. I agree. And plus there's another thing that that comes to mind in mind when we're talking about this. But I need to uh, all, I need to yeah. interrupt here though. Okay? Because we did get an email and I want to talk about this email because this email has something in here that I hadn't thought of and oh my god is it ever a possibility. Okay, um, this is from Callie, mm-hmm. who's a paladin on Shuhalo, who says, I just want to take a moment and wish you all a happy new year and to thank you for all the content and entertainment you create for the community. Thank you, Callie. They said, quick question. One of the more interesting topics of speculation in 2017 was the Whispers of Ilganoth. Looking back with all that's transpired and forward with what little we know of battle for Azeroth, has your opinion changed on what you believe the Whispers were hinting at? That is what we are discussing right now. Here's Callie's proposition, and I love this. One that I have changed my thoughts on is the five keys slash torches originally thinking the pillars. Now I think maybe the world trees. Now the line that Kali is referencing here is five keys to open our way, five torches to light our path. Guess what's happening to Teldrassil? It's lighting on fire. Mm-hmm. Now, let's look the- at the other ones that we have, right? Okay, so Teldrassil, going to be lit on fire. We have Nordrassil. Nordrassil was blown the heck up at the end of the Third War. Yes, it is recovering, but still. Vordrassil. Vordrassil was destroyed, okay? Um, Shaladrassil, the one in, the one in uh, Valshara. That mm-hmm. one was corrupted and riddled by the nightmare, and supposedly it's been taken care of, supposedly, air quoting all over the place here, because as we saw, that vision of Ysera walked under that tree and pointed at that void thing that was still there. That's four. What's the fifth world tree? Well, isn't the there unnamed an unnamed tree? one? Yeah, the unnamed tree. The one in Ungoro. The uh-huh. Emerald Dream's counterpart to the one in Ungoro Crater, yeah. Which is the home of Ilganoth. Uh-huh. And we talked about this... We talked about that before, the idea that they were making their own tree. Right. That's five trees. It, it, I mean, it's How many of these trees have been taken care of so far? Four. Like, how many trees are kaput right now? Four. Mm-hmm. Teldrassil is the one that's left. And, I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense as well. Because, I mean... We still don't know are... why Teldrassil was set on fire. We and don't it know. Could not, it couldn't be... And that, that's one of the things, like, I was thinking about that, too. It could be not anything to do with the Horde at all lighting it on fire and that would be really interesting to me if it wasn't but they were just blamed for it um but the that that is curious because we don't know the extent with which a world tree touches right we know we know that it definitely touches at least spirits in some capacity well we know Uh, that vordrasil was tickling yogg-zaron we know that we know that it breaches into the physical layers of Azeroth. We know that it touches they, they do touch the Emerald Dream in some capacity because they're either representations of them there or they're referenced. Um, and we saw that again with the Emerald Nightmare where would we go into one. Um, this is really interesting because these are gateways to potentially every layer of Azeroth. Here's another thought. Which old god Opened the way. Yogg-Saron. And Yogg-Saron is also, again, Alduar. We're going to a place in... One of the things that's always interested me is that we're going to Zandalar Isle in the next expansion. Yep. 
Zandalar Isle, among other things, has a king, uh, Rastakhan. Rastakhan certainly doesn't count as a boy king. Um, but we also know there's a place in, in Zandalar Isle called Uldir. And Uldir is a Titan facility. Mm-hmm. Now, what have Titan one. facilities traditionally been for? Oh, Uldir is a Titan geez. facility specifically for experimentation on old gods. Which would sort of track that they have old god bits laying around, which would explain all of those random old god tentacles we were seeing in the promo art and stuff. Yeah, but there's more. The uh, stuff we know in, Zold- in Zandalar is the Zandalar are under attack by a blood god. A car. Yeah, which I think is a car. It would um, make sense. But we don't know much of anything about Hakar other than he is possibly a Loa, which is, you know, kind of the troll equivalent of one of the, uh, you know, well, the, let, let, me, let me put it this way. Zandalar Isle used to be Zandalar Mountain. Mm-hmm. Zandalar Mountain was the home of the Loa, just as Mount Hyjal was the home of, of the ancients. And, and uh, you know, the, the, uh, the I can't remember the name of the animal gods, the wild gods. Um who are basically the Loa and the wild gods are interchangeable. There yeah, was two mountains. Yeah. yeah, there's two mountains. There's Hyjal in the north and Zandalar in the south that on primordial Kalimdor served as homes for these kind of god entities. Why? Well, isn't there that weird speculation, too, that the trolls were attempting way back when, and I think this was, what, the the w- Temple of Atalhakar, I think? Sunken Temple. Weren't they... Yeah, the Sunken Temple, um, where where they were basically trying to summon an old god, like if flat out they says were, that they were trying to do so, like we know that basically they were using the blood um, from Hakar, yeah, to corrupt green dragons to make a connection to the old gods. This is yeah. stated. This is straight yeah. up said to you when you do the quest. There, yeah. this is what. So if Hakar is a Titan creation made from old gods in some way. He's some kind of experiment that went wrong, trying to figure out how old gods work, perhaps made out of Yishraj. Mm -hmm. Now, think about this. The the old gods don't die right. Well, and Hakkar hasn't died right. What did we do in Mists of Pandaria? We breached the the repository, the vault that held the heart, and then we drained the heart's power out into the world. So it wasn't contained by the heart anymore. Thanks, supposedly this, supposedly this cleansed you know, the shrine and so forth. But the power, the old gods don't seem to be created or destroyed easily. They don't work that way. Where did that power go? And what if we're going to get a fourth old god? Not one of the first, but an entirely new one. Well, this brings what? me back to the, the thing that, and this was one of my favorite articles that Anne, Anne wrote. And this was years ago. And it was the map with the proposed five old God type things. Um, the Lovecraft I, connection, the Lovecraft connection. I yeah. absolutely love it because I will never forget that because I always thought that too, because we know Cthulhu, Nazoth, Yogg-Saron, Yasharaj, but there are tons of references in a bunch of quests um, in a bunch of different things from over the years that reference an unnamed old God. And we don't know if we're going to get a whole brand new one. Like we might see Nazoth, I mean, and part of me is like, well, we've seen the single eyeball monstrosity, uh, which I'll talk about in a second, which makes me think that that uh, Cthulhu's active again. Um, we've gotten the mouth monster. We haven't really. Uh, I mean, Yashraj was just pieces of himself, but was supposed to be multi-headed, right? 
Like I believe yeah. it was the seven heads of Yasharaj. Yeah, seven headed creature, yeah. Yeah. So they all seem to have like some weird gross anatomy that's sort of like inflamed. I remember jokes about like foot gods, hand gods, stuff like that. But yeah, <laughs> um, that's always interested me because it also seems to be tied to the five senses, if that makes sense, of living creatures sort of taken to the extreme for each of them. And so we haven't gotten all of them yet. And I'm curious if there's going to be another old god on top of the four we know about. Like maybe Yasharaj reforms, maybe Yog Yogg-Saron's active again, maybe Cthune's active again, Nazoth comes in and tries to eat our faces, and then we get another old god because, you know, maybe Rossi's right. Maybe maybe they are trying to get the band back together. But the thing that that I was talking about with like Cthune, the reason I think he's active again, and I think he's been active since we started Legion, maybe a little bit beforehand, uh, probably actually since Pandaria. All of these weird weapons, these old gaudy weapons, these old gaudy infused items that have eyeballs, that's sort of Cthulhu's shtick. Well, no, no, because if you look at the axe that uh, Garrosh was using, it was covered in eyeballs. Yeah. It, the old gods do eyeballs all the time. Here's the thing, though. Here's why I think Cthulhu's active. Um, when you did Cataclysm, uh, Chogall is talking to him. Yeah. And I know Chogall's crazy, but both heads were talking to him and about yeah, him. And- it talks about serving the master and communicating straight with the master. Up, yeah, absolutely. You straight, up, you straight up even see he drops artifacts that draw directly from Cthulhu's power. So I want to um, draw another correlation here between, because we've been going back and forth between Ilganoth's Whispers and what our dear, crazy, crazy ogre friend Ogmoth the Mad has been talking about. And um, I want to interrupt here, interject, and point out another possible correlation between the two. Uh, there's an entry here. It's like... It's one of the last entries, and it says, The star peers down, I must hide from its glare. The dagger spoke true. It's been too long since I was drowned. Do not forsake me, masters. If you go back to Ilganos Whispers, one of them is, To find him, drown yourself in the circle of stars. Do we think that there's a connection there? Because... They're talking about being drowned. There's, there's like, all of this talk of, of, of drowning... And that's, I don't think that's even the first time that he mentions drowning either. I'm not sure. Uh, Ogmont, I need to go back through here because I think he was talking about being drowned again. It, no. He just says it's been far too long since I've been drowned, at least from what you've got in the transcript here. Yeah. It's the only reference to it. But again, it's like it's like there's a correlation between what Ogmont is seeing and what Ilganoth has been talking about. Obviously, there's got to be some kind of correlation between the two because Ogmont is in the middle of a Twilight's Hammer encampment and the Twilight's Hammer are, are all about the old gods. They think that they're, you know, the best thing since sliced bread for some reason because they're all kind of nuts, I guess. Um, Ilganoth is weird, though, because Ilganoth is not... He's not an old god. Il- Ilganoth is not an old god. He's like a manifestation of... of Corruption. Corruption. He is the heart of corruption. He, yeah, it's, it's at the heart of corruption in the Emerald Nightmare. So it's like... It's an entity that was sort of created by the old gods, or it's just a manifestation of that malevolence and that chaotic nature of the old gods. But it's not an old god itself, for people who are wondering well, about that. But the stuff I mean, if you go that back it's to... saying, the stuff that sure. it's whispering, is all very relevant to old god material. Well, it makes sense, though, right? Because you look at back even to Chronicle 1 when it starts talking about the Black Empire and how when the old gods touched upon Azeroth and spread their their sort of influence, things just sprung up from their bodies, from their corruption. So having something like this spring up from the corruption of the Emerald Nightmare makes perfect sense. It's, I 
Ilganoth can totally be a sentient manifestation of just old god touch. That's, and that's, when he dies, I mean, when he dies, he says flat out in his Atha, I journey to Neolatha. And we know all about Neolatha because of the puzzle box of Yogg-Saron. So here we go with another old god. Puzzle box of Yogg-Saron has a mess of intriguing quotes in and of itself. Um, and I'm going to kind of sort through here because I'm trying to remember if there was anything in here regarding the drowned, that... the drowned god's heart is black ice. Um, in the sunken city, he lays dreaming. There, there's there's a lot in here. Uh, the fish know all the secrets. They know the cold. They know the dark. There's there's a lot of stuff mm -hmm. in here. Um, he also talks about the giant rook watches from the dead trees. Nothing breathes beneath his shadow. If you go into Ilganoth, Ilganoth says the Lord of Ravens will turn the key. Rooks, ravens, they're kind of core. There's correlations between all of these. Um, and I feel like for all we've been told that Battle of Azeroth or Battle for Azeroth is about the Horde and Alliance conflict. I feel like that was the face presentation for BlizzCon. I feel like that was what we were given because that was what they had ready to present and they weren't really prepared to go into the deeper story and they didn't want to go necessarily into that deeper story. Not initially, anyway. They just wanted to get us excite excited about the idea. Um, I, It's... It's weird to me that all of this stuff is kind of correlated. And I know that we talked before about the possibility of Battle for Azeroth being kind of like an interim expansion where we're dealing with one thing and meanwhile this other thing is going on and then when the next expansion comes out it's going to be like some major, major threat. But I'm beginning well, I mean, to wonder if Battle for Azeroth is really about the Horde and Alliance conflict at all. Well, I, well here's the thing. I, I think I, it's... Go ahead. Well... No, um, yeah, okay. Part of this is something you said, so you'll probably want to comment on it after. But a long time ago, when we first learned the name of the expansion, Joe said, are we fighting for, like, over Azeroth, or are we fighting for Azeroth? Yeah. Yeah. Like, is this a battle to own Azeroth, or is it a battle to save Azeroth? Which battle, how, what does this line mean? I think it definitely feels to me like there's, like I said, there's going to be an A plot and a B plot. Just because there's an A plot and a B plot doesn't make the B plot unimportant or less important. I think the A plot is the one we're meant to look at. Like, I feel an awful lot like there's some misdirection going on. Yeah, I was going to say that too. The the A plot well, that was is kind what of we're the same thing with Legion too, because we had all yeah. kinds of little plots going on. Yeah, and none of them were unimportant, but they're not necessarily. You know, the the big one is ultimately Argus and Sargeras, but we had to get there. And, and we had a lot, lot to unravel before we got there, too. Yeah. Right. I think in this case, right. we're definitely, I definitely think the Horde and Alliance conflict is going to be real and it's going to have hey. consequences and it'll go forward. But I feel like it's ultimately setting up. There's, there's one here, uh, and I'm going to let Joe talk after I read it, but I want to read this one and then let Joe go. Um, Today the smoke rose from my campfire and took form. A shepherd cloaked in the shadows of her past beloved by a flock of blind sheep she guided them over a cliff even as they crashed upon the rocks they never doubted her the crows grew fat upon sheep flesh her laughter echoed all around that ties back to your thing about the lord of crows it also ties back into, into two characters who could be the shepherd here and their sisters so now i'm gonna let you go mm. well i have an idea of that too but i don't know if it's gonna be the same thing but i was gonna say so this is something that's been bothering me, too, since we've been getting more information. We don't know a chronological order of events. We've gotten the opening cinematic, but the opening cinematics for the expansions don't necessarily 
start as the kickoff point for the events of the expansion or what triggered them, right? There's sort of this in-between zone. We've seen this a couple times where you know, there's been things like, you know, war crimes happening and then Warlords of Draenor happens. Um, and it's not any way, shape, or form tied to the initial cinematic that we saw for it. It was the catalyst for it, or at least the, the stuff that happened there and then the subsequent escape happened, right? I'm wondering if that's something that's going to happen here. And I'm wondering if we're not actually going to experience the burning of Teldrassil in game because that's going to be the catalyst. And I'm wondering if that's the first thing that, you know, no, no weird, terrible pun intended starts the fire of war between the factions because for the Alliance to go back and say, yeah, we're going to go take the undercity back. That makes sense. But it seems really out of character for certain people to really feel that way, like Anduin. Like, he's not really one to throw his lives away. And yes, we understand from what we've seen from sort of these, uh, the the leaked prologue of, you know, the next book, where it's, yes, the Horde, in particular Sylvanas, is, is, you know, itching to finish a fight that was started long ago. But this is always the case. And anytime there's any downtime, there's always these plans. It doesn't matter who's in charge of either faction. Somebody's chirping in the other's ear uh, in their own factions of we need to go finish what we started. We need to go back to, you know, the days of orcs versus humans and, and finish this this conflict that's been raging for decades. But it never really kicks off. There's always something else in the way. And we've been talking about the old gods not necessarily having to do anything overt to us to get us to do certain things that they want us to do. Us fighting each other could very well be a distraction. Oh, absolutely. And I think that Teldrassil might be the catalyst for that distraction. Because, like you said, it's the last world tree that hasn't been wrecked. It's the last world tree that hasn't been blown up, burned down, uh, destroyed, toppled, something. Aside from being used as a conduit with um, Xavius's little branch being plugged into it. Right. One of Oddmott's entries, one of the earliest entries, he says that he dreamt of two great armadas clashing upon an ocean of blood, shadows mm-hmm. writhing beneath them, rising, rising, and he smiled in his sleep. So the great armadas, like I automatically leap to, okay, Alliance versus Horde. Sure. While the shadows rise beneath them, well, <laughs> that's what the old gods are all about, really. Well, it's interesting there, though, because the ocean of blood is pretty obviously tied back into the whole reason we're getting a Fighting necklace from Magnus. Ocean yeah. of blood, around. yeah, because it's uh, Azeroth's blood. And then he says later on, there's there will be seas enough to slake, sate every thirst. Should be mm-hmm. slake, by the way, guys. Um, <laughs> what gets me about this is, I don't know, it, it's there's a certain amount of dismissiveness to this. Like he he straight up does not like the Silithid. No, and well, because I think. They're competing servants of old gods, aren't they, at this point? And yeah. I th- that's the interesting thing. Who is this guy working for? Does he have a master, or is, are they all whispering at him at once? Well, he well, keeps saying it, master is plural, so there's more than one. Well, that's the thing. Imagine trying to listen to the contrary whispers of f- at least three, if not four, separate old gods, all of whom are whispering at you at once. And each of them And all of whom are telling the truth things. in their own way. Yeah, but at the same time, each of them can whisper contrary things to things they just said. Like, one old god is is hard to listen to because they don't, you know, you are horrible, but I love you. You know, <laughs> now you got four of them going on. There's there's something fascinating about the, the layout of all this, that, that whole line about of the victory that went unnoticed. The other thing, too, is he speaks of the dagger speaking true to him. It makes me wonder if he has his own 
uh, Zalatath. Or... You just have Zalatath because it's not like the dagger cares what we think. It's True, so... but I'm saying like we have this this sort of history of like pieces of old gods being formed into weapons and sort of tied to their servants. And if maybe a piece got cut off of Cthulhu from the strike from Sargeras, it would be perfectly reasonable that he finds this little piece of old god, grabs it, it turns itself into a dagger, like we've seen things happen in the past. And all of a sudden he's got a direct conduit into, you know, whatever. And and to put that in perspective, he might also be feeling sort of the bitterness at the Silithid because they failed Cthulhu. They didn't. They didn't. Oh my God! They didn't do. Yay! What Rossi them had to a do. moment. Wait, what's the moment, Rossi? He, the thing he just said, the thing Joe just said about piece of Cthulhu. No, no. There's a rumor that Zalatath is a forgotten old god. Yeah. We were just talking about forgotten about old fifth, gods. About a fifth old god or something like that. If it is. It could be Zalatath itself. Oh. It, also true. And Zalatath could very well be in that that ogre's hands because it it jumps from person to person. As soon as we were done, is it it was done with us with what your the shadow priest who had it. There's no reason it couldn't just go to somebody else. That's the entire reason that the Dark Irons like lost in Grim Batal. Uh, Modgood had Zalatath. She was using it to raise the mm-hmm. shadows. The reason Grim Batal became so corrupted with shadow magic is because shadow magic. But like shadow magic, like from the Shadowlands, shadow magic. Yep. Hmm. There's, okay. Which, which this is what I was going back to the other thing that I was going to say when you said something about the crows and the flock and everything like that. We also don't know what Helia did to get as powerful as she did. No. And crows are kind of her thing. Dude, dice. Um, isn't there uh, shadow priests use ravens in Northrend? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And wasn't there? Uh, a connection to a raven entity and an old god in Draenor. I mean, Outland, Outland Draenor. Like, and didn't they the 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 Skedis? Uh, didn't they bring an old god through or try to? And and Gul'dan killed them. So he, they did. Yeah. And is that possibly related to the the red goop that turns them into the wingless Arakoa? Well, and the red them? mist. Yeah, which the Red Mist is an attempt to recreate that. And the Red Mist turned the Draenei into... Broken. Well, we... And we don't know what that was because we have Broken that wasn't exposed to the Red Mist. Yeah, I was going to say, that that seemed more like fell corruption of some sort more than anything else. Because... But it could be void, though, because if you look at the Broken... And, and this this goes back to Argus and that, that, loose, that bundle of loose threads that aren't really going anywhere right now. Again... Where is the vast majority of those broken? They're void touched. They're void corrupted. They're they're there. Like we yeah we have some good ones, but that could all tie back to old godly stuff as well because old gods are in the void. If the red mist is created out of something along those lines, then that's what what caused the you know the broken on Draenor to become broken like that. It would make sense that it's tied to the void and tied to old godly stuff because there you go. There's your connection with Argus. I originally thought the Lord of Ravens was going to be Ravencrest, but now I'm starting to think it has something to do with the old gods. It very well could be. It could be that that unknown, that unnamed old god, because we we have a whole bunch of stuff that we don't touch, we don't know. So definitely within the realm of possibilities, and that and that that's the other thing too. We don't. That's why I went back to Helia as well, because we don't know what deals she made. Because she, I'm positive she's going to pop up at some point. She I has really to. am. 
I don't think she can. I don't think she can actually be killed. I think she is well in that camp, and she is she is a shepherd of souls. And if we go with the traditional mythology, the Valkyr were chosen. They were choosers of the slain, right? Like that. That's they they ushered the worthy the, souls to the originally. Afterlife. Yeah, originally the way it worked was that he knew that there were like various souls of his followers. I'm talking about Odin here. That yep. were in the Shadowlands, and he couldn't get to them, obviously, because they were in the Shadowlands. So he made the deal so he could see into the Shadowlands and grant the power to travel between those two worlds. Um, all Valkyr are technically undead. But I'm saying, like, this yep. this comment from our little ogre friend about two armadas clashing and the shadows writhing beneath them. Shadows. Shadowland. Where do you go when you die? You go to this weird Shadowland-type place. And shepherds of the dead are going to be real active soon, I'm just saying. I know, I know we've been talking about like as far as the corruption stuff goes, um, with the broken, how we were like, wait, no, it was foul corruption. No, wait, it was shat. What was it? Yeah, we don't um, actually know. We know well, that Gul'dan uses it. To, does he use the foul to cure it? Here's the fun part. Here's the fun part, though. Um, if we take a look at the inherent structure of the Burning Legion, what are the Nathrism? What did they control before they joined the Burning Legion? Void, 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 void. <laughs> what were they masters of? Oh, I don't know. Shadow magic? Well, I've said before, it always feels to me like the Nathism are going to turn out to be traitors that actually work for the All Gods. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I really, I, I 100% they am on that, ones, that team. They were the ones who told Sargeras, oh yeah, the Old Gods are around. They were the ones who gave him that information initially. It or, was them. Ooh, 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 okay, okay. Because he, so how did, he how that did Sargeras... first world that he found, the one that was almost completely corrupted by old gods, there were also a bunch of Nathrism there who were just chilling. Well, we we also have some other stuff there too, like right going back to the the Frozen Throne, going back to the, the Lich King, who told you know Sargeras and and Kill Jaden how to make a Lich King? Where did they get that spell from? Where did they get that ability from? Oh, it's tied to the Shadowlands. Who do they have in their employ? Who do they have as their generals? Who do they have as their most trusted confidants that we, in the Illidan book, we are stealing knowledge from them because they've cataloged everything that they can for their own needs, their own purposes. It yeah. 100% makes me believe that the, the Lich King is a, a void, old gaudy type creation and that the Nathrezim, I, I am on this boat. They are traitors to the Legion, or at least they were agreed to work they're shadow agents they agreed to work with the legion for a very specific purpose and that was to get everything in motion that their masters needed them to do oh i mean let's be fair let's be fair it's not like they were given an option that's true sargas did not ask them to join sargas told them join or i'll kill you and i know how that's fair so if no i'm saying their masters can't whisper to them and say i'm not saying i'm not contradicting you i'm saying they'd have no reason to be truly loyal to him this is a guy who put a gun to your head. Yeah, exactly. You're going to serve him out of fear. You're not serving him out of loyalty or and common cause. You're serving him because, A, you're afraid of him, and, B, he wants to blow a whole bunch of stuff up. That's fine by you. Okay, and but he's let's, trapped let's, now. Let's, he let's can't back. you anymore. Let's go back for a minute. Let's, let's, let's dial it back for a minute, and let's look at the Nathrism as they were introduced in Chronicle because there's a really interesting side to the Nathrism that I don't think that we've really considered before. Um, the entry says, Cunning and manipulative, they dedicated their existence to mastering shadow magic and infiltrating mortal civilizations, turning nation against nation and corrupting the populace into new horrific breeds of demons as their societies crumbled from within. 
this is what the Nathrism do. This is yep. also what the Burning Legion does. The Nathrism mm-hmm. didn't have a problem with this. The Nathrism didn't have to tell Sargeras, oh, hey, here's what's up with this world. They just volunteered that information. They gave it to him. They were like, yeah, yeah, that's what's going on here. There's old gods. You're going to take over the universe. Isn't that great? And, you know, he went out, straight up killed them, imprisoned them, whatever, in Mardum. When he, when he broke them out of Mardum... What what did he do? He brought them all into his service. Well, they weren't actually they weren't in a place where they could argue. But would they have argued regardless? And didn't and, and just to go back to like real quick, just I, I'm just remembering little snippets here. Weren't the Nathrism the jailers of the Lich King? They were the ones who were in charge of him. Yes. Yeah. And weren't they the commanders of the Plague of Undeath to begin with? They were the ones. They weren't calling them the commanders of the plague of undeath. No, they weren't. No. The Lich King was, but they were the ones holding the Lich King's leash. That's literally how it's Fair. phrased. They had his leash, and of course, he wanted to slip the leash. Yeah. Uh, there's there's interesting thing that we're we're not discussing because you know it's it's you only know it if you've done the the Death Knight um, blood weapon, the blood artifact. The Please Legion has in. <laughs> the Legion. When you get the weapon, the the blood the blood DK artifact. It is literally a demon put into a weapon. Like they, they have the ability to bind an entity into a we- into an item so thoroughly that it is part of it. You, are, your, your axe is a living demon. That's what it is. That's what you're. It's drinking bl- the blood of your victims because it's a demon. Um, I remember saying this before. The the shadowling creatures aren't void gods or void lords or from the void. They're from another dimension, another direction on the cosmology chart entirely. The shadowlands are directly between Azeroth's plane of existence and the plane of existence of actual death. Yeah, like pure necrotic energy. What we we only know about the void lords right now as entities from outside our reality that can throw things in. But we also know that the titans come from some arcane place. We, we know this because of the thousand years of war. The Titans are like sparks of pure arcane energy that worlds form around like pearls to insulate them. The world soul of a Titan is from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to an old god in that it comes into our reality and becomes something else. The, void, the old gods, in fact, might be a ripoff of them. They well, and it would make to... sense. Sorry, go ahead. Well, just if that's the case... We know that demons are that from fell. Demons are entities of pure fell who come into our reality from fell. And fell is created by the annihilation of light and shadow. Like when the light and, oh. light and the void fight, they annihilate each other. That creates fell. We yeah, don't know yet. We're, we don't know yet about all the other points on the cosmological compass. But imagine that there is a rival to the void lords from the realm of death. Yeah. Something that unimaginably powerful, but a death-focused being instead well, re- of a madness, void-focused being. What if the, the creature that is inside the uh, Frozen Throne right now, the entity that was merged with Ner'zhul, what if the reason it made a deal with Odin in the first place was to get a, an anchor point into our mm-hmm. world? And the reason it wanted to make that deal, the reason it was so willing to let him have the ability to see into the Shadowlands was because that way it got a chunk of a Titan. Like Odin is Titan created. Now your entity from the realm of death has a piece of a Titan created being that it can use the same way he's using it. He's using it to look into the Shadow Realm. It's using it to look into our realm. So it finds, oh, hey. Here's here's a former Titan. What's he doing? Oh, he's marching on this crusade throughout the universe. He's killing a lot of people. 
I'm noticing this because I am a death being. Now I have a bridge. I have a way through. Getting bound into the into the frozen throne would be just absolutely fine by it because now it's got a, it's got a place to sit. It's got a long and game. What world? The, the thing is, Odin made his deal. Odin created the Valkyr. The Valkyr are death beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're undead. They are a violation of the natural order, and they were on Azeroth first because of Odin. And it's the the it's really weird is if you look at like the other other realms in the universe, necromancy is often taught by the Legion. It's specifically taught by demons to warlocks and people who make deals with it. Why? What are they getting out of it? There's a lot of weird stuff going on here. And you I know, think the Nathrazim. Yeah, um, I, th- I think it goes back our, to the Nathrazim. I think there's a hook there with the Nathrazim that maybe a lot of people have been missing. And well, and, and maybe what Ross that's, is saying makes... maybe that's the unseen victory that they're talking about, as it has something maybe. to do with them. Because now that Sargeras is no longer, they're free. Yeah. Well, and it makes sense too what Rossi's saying that there would be an equal entity on that undead necromantic sort of compass because if you look at the way the cosmology was laid out, if we take that as any sort of of ordering of the the realms of the universe, so to speak, the Titans are right next to the old gods. They are they are first cousins. I, I for wanna, lack of a better term. I wanna go back to the Nathrism for one final thought here though, and I wanna go back to what they said in Chronicle as far as what they dedicate their existence to. It's mastering shadow magic. Okay, yeah, we got that. But it's also infiltrating mortal civilizations and turning nation against nation, corrupting the populace into new horrific breeds of demons as their societies crumble from within. We saw a glimmer of that, of what that looked like with Stratholm and with the Scarlet Crusade. Mm-hmm. Because obviously there was a dreadlord at the helm over there, Balnazar. What if this whole alliance and horde conflict that we're running full tilt into in battle for Azeroth is them moving some chess pieces around? They were punishing Varimathras. Uh-huh. Yep. Why were they punishing Varimathras? Why was Sargeras specifically punishing Varimathras? Yeah. What if he wasn't punishing Varimathras? What if he was torturing him for information? What if he started to understand that the Nathrazim Ver- couldn't be trusted? Guess where Varimathras was all those years, too? Yeah, Undercity. Right there at Sylvanas' side. Mm-hmm. He even says, you have no idea what's coming. You, do know, you don't know what she'll do. But he knew what she'd do. Uh, I feel like we're, like, on, on like, we're... We're just like, it's like right there in front of us and we haven't grabbed it yet. That's okay. Um, However, we are running out of time here, so we do need to wrap up the show. (laughs) As much as I'd like to go on for another three hours, I do have other things to do today. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And for you guys, listeners of Blizzard Watch, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have a whole mass of Blizzard titles on there, World of Warcraft titles, um, audiobooks that you can choose for that three free 30-day trial. I believe Illidan is one of those, and we mentioned Illidan very briefly while we were talking today. Um, you can download any of Blizzard's titles, as well as a host of others. They have thousands on the website there um, by signing up at blizzardwatch.com slash audible. And by doing so, you kind of help support the show a little bit, too, and we like that. So, uh, final thoughts, you guys. 
do you think uh do you think this whole Horde Alliance conflict that we were shown at BlizzCon, do you think that's really what Battle for Azeroth is about? Joe, you go first. I I said it before and I'll say it again. I don't think so. I think it's the smokescreen. I think that uh, what is whatever we are doing to each other between our factions is ignited from some other means. Um, and if there is a being that is really, really close and aligned to death, war seems really good for its sort of line of business. Um I think that this is sort of going to be a, a situation where it'll start out as that conflict and it's going to start out in earnest as this battle between these two factions and we're going to get so invested into it until we find out what actually caused Tildrossel to burn, until we f- find out what exactly was pulling the strings or at least glimpses of it. And then I think the whole tone of the expansion is going to change dramatically. I I don't think this is going to be an interstitial expansion. I think there's more here than I think we originally thought. And I think it's going to, we're just, we're scratching away at the very, very tip of that iceberg. Uh, the rest of it's about to crest soon, I think. Okay. Rossi, same question. Uh, well, I think it's much more of a case of as above, so below, where the microcosm of the Horde Alliance conflict reflects the macrocosm of a much bigger cosmic conflict between entities from outside reality trying to enforce their will for what reality should be. Um, and the gods are definitely servants of such powers, the Void Lords. The Void is a, it is a threat, an existential threat, but it's not the only one. We're going to start seeing there are other forces. Like, we've had the Legion as one of those forces for a long time. Um, but we're going to start seeing, you know, death forces, the Scourge, things like that. It might start coming back as well. Um, I do think I'm going to just say straight up front, the Horde burns Childrassel. They do it unprovoked. They're straight up the aggressors, just like they were in Cataclysm, just like they've always been, because the Horde is an aggressive agency that wants to expand. And that's exactly what the old gods want. And it's not its not a case of one not being real. It's a case of one feeding the other in both directions. The old gods want conflict. They will do what they can to get people to do conflict. And if the Nathrazim are basically switching paymasters for lack of a better word although it would really be more a case of phew the big crazy guy's gone now let's get back to what we wanted to have happen um we're definitely going to see societies getting messed with and i think it's not really the forsaken's fault that they had varimothras in the middle of them for like a decade but they did and that's yeah. plenty of time that is plenty of time for the uh the Nathrazim to figure out other ways. We've seen what they what they did. That was just with Varimathras, what Varimathras got up to in a couple of years. Bolnazar has been kind of loose for a while now. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what he's been up to, but he's been up to something. Bolnazar was making new a new Forsaken. He was making the Risen, you yeah. know, his own rival version of them. So, yeah. And that's right there. Varimathras was in the middle of Forsaken. Bolnazar made his own undead. So clearly... They're comfortable with necromancy. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to definitely see something new coming up. I'm very excited because I really think that Battle for Azeroth is going to be a lot more involved story-wise than we initially gave it credit for. Um, And I can't wait to see what they're going to do. Anyway, that wraps us up for this episode of Lore Watch. And if you have any questions for the show, you can feel free to email those to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Just be sure to put Lore Watch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for this show. Thanks, you guys, so much for listening. And we will see you again in two weeks. 